What's up, you beauties? Welcome to HW 3.40. I'm Jim, and I'm joined, as always, by Jack and Kyle. Please make sure to subscribe, follow, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Spreaker. Quick shout-out to our affiliate sites, fullpresscoverage.com, bellyupsports.com. Belly Up Sports recently updated their site. Go check it out. You can find us in hockey, or you can find us in podcasts. While you're listening to the episode, check out our site, hwhockey.net. Uh, yeah, guys, so... Not much news as far as Flyers go, but we're going to try to have a fun show. So last night put out a tweet looking for controversial Flyers opinions. Have you guys seen any of these? Oh, just all season. (laughs) So there's some real bombs in here that I want to get to. And before I start, let's just remember that some of these guys, some of these guys are, you know, good people just with bad takes. So let's not be too harsh in our criticism of some of these. Some of them we might even agree with. I shall not let's hold start... my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> we will not curse. Let's start small here with Travis Konechny peaked last season. I assume the season before this past season. What do we think? Did he peak with his, what was it, 66 points, 67, whatever it was? Was it even that high? No, he didn't peak. <laughs> I mean, he's how old? I think he's going to be 24. 24. Um, yeah, I don't know how you can say that and not have a clue either way. It is just a, it's a like a bold statement like you would make at the beginning of the season about what you think a certain player is going to do. It's no different than that. Or he's the a complimentary team piece. For that matter. <laughs> well, let, let's be real. He's a complimentary piece. If this team goes and trades for Eichel and he winds up on a line with him, I guarantee you he didn't peak. You know, so it's he's not a guy who's going to make the engine go by himself. So if he gets, depending on what line he's on, if he gets on a hot streak where he can stay healthy, it's not like he scored a, a ridiculous amount of points where he can't pass that number. At the 24 years old, there's no way in hell am I saying that he's already peaked. There's no sustainable argument behind that. Yeah, it is. I don't think that he peaked as far as production either. Um, but I would agree if he was paired with an Eichel, and it would be this, you know, a lot of players, if you pair them with Eichel, their production may go up a little bit. Maybe he'd score over 24 goals in that season, which he's yet to do. Um, yeah, I don't but think he's a 30 either. goal scorer, Jim. <laughs> you, you ever wonder, like, if you if if you haven't watched a Flyers game and you you kind of hung out on Flyers Twitter, like some of these players, you think that they're the worst thing ever, or you think that you know a guy like Travis Konechny is already a 30 goal scorer, which he's not. Uh, but the way people talk about him, it's like, yeah, this guy's a superstar. Not, not even close. And, uh, and what is, what is it usually? It always falls somewhere in the middle to where the actual truth is. Yeah. You know, look at Ghost, 65 points. People are still saying he's going to pass that number. The, the lovers, they're like, come on. You know, yeah. like, oh yeah, we got plenty of us saying he's peaked and all that, and you got the other half saying he's just getting started. He's just getting hurt. He's been on the wrong pairing and whatever other excuse you can come up with. It's just how people feel. And ultimately, in Konechny's case, with his age and the fact that he actually is a complimentary piece, there's a lot of guys you can put with talent. And, you know, maybe the numbers bump up a little bit. But Konechny's kind of intingent on that big-time center or the offense going. So I, I think for sure um, if things start going right, they turn things around. There's this, I don't want to say sky's the limit in the sense he could score 80 points, but he can, he can definitely get to where he was uh, two years ago. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully. So we'll stay along the same topic here. Scott Lawton is over 
rated. What do we think? Overrated compared to what? Yeah, that's, I don't know. That's what I was compared I, who to. Who do you making, compare Scott Lawton to right now? He's making Scott $3 million. Dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about I mean, overrated. I think that's that statement is a little bit of – I feel like that statement's made out of anger. Like I the season don't. sucked. Lawton didn't produce. Nobody produced. Lawton got a contract. Lawton's overrated. Like they just, I, I just feel like that's a finger that needed to be pointed to something. And the only contract that was dished out this year was to Lawton so far, and Lawton's the scapegoat now. Two <laughs> less goals than Travis Konechny this season, Scott Lawton. It's like an indirect shot at Fletcher. Less. Yeah, it's like an indirect well, this year shot he was at making Fletcher. even less, wasn't he? This past year yeah, he was only less. making two point five, right? Even less. Yeah, you're right. I think people should be more – if they're going to be up, upset with anything, it's the five years. But the $3 million, understanding it's a flat cap error. But we, we just talked to uh, Martinez, and he said with all the ESPN and TNT deals, uh, you know, that once the flat ca- uh, cap comes to an end, which could be sooner than later than we thought, you know, the cap's going to skyrocket. $3 million isn't going to be nothing. And for a guy who actually – for this team that has very, very little heart and soul. I mean, who really has the heart and soul on this team? Sam Moran, Scott Lawton, maybe a little Drew, and that's like it. You know, maybe some of the goal scorers, maybe uh, um, what's the new kid could bring some of that. But that's really it. So keeping these kind of guys around is imperative. So saying a guy making $3 million who's come up through your organization is one of the few guys to actually show any kind of grit or heart for your team, it's just silly to me. And he murders people. Yeah. <laughs> I would he, watch, he can play, I would watch what you say. He can play left, center, right. You know, you can move him wherever you need to move him. He's not obviously he's not a top line player, but that's why he's making three million dollars. I mean, how much how much overrated can you be when you only make three million dollars? It's I, I don't get it. Five more career playoff goals than Travis Konechny. I wonder what he thinks about <laughs> Travis Konechny. Like if Scott Lawton's overrated, <laughs> he thinks he peaked. Like, I just want to know because like, this is what I'm kind of talking about, like with, with the Flyers fans and you know their favorite players. Like you can come out and say something like that about a guy like Scott Lawton, but God forbid you say anything about Travis Konechny, Nolan Patrick. For some reason, he's untouchable. You know, for, God forbid you say anything about TK. It's like, well, the guy's got one playoff goal, but we're gonna we're gonna sit here and call Scott Law an overrated. You could put him anywhere in the lineup. And he provides all the intangibles that this team lacks. But you, you want to say he's overrated. I don't get it. So controversial opinion for sure. Which is what I was looking for. So that was good. Thank you, um, for whoever submitted that. Let's look for a different one here. Matt says Sean Couturier is not elite. Just because he wants to piss people off, but I don't I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't agree nor disagree with that. I mean, it, if you're talking about a defensive center, Sean Couturier is absolutely elite. And he's been putting up pretty elite offensive numbers, especially for the Flyers. Like, if you're just comparing the Flyers stats, he's our elite number one center. Mm-hmm. Um, com- if you're going to compare him to... McDavid's 100 and whatever points in 53 games. No, he's not elite. But if you're comparing him to the overall average of number one centers all the way across the league, yeah, I would say it puts him up in that that top 10 elite centers. Especially, then that's foregoing the defensive 
uh, stalwart that he is. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be a he's not going to be Nathan McKinnon or Austin Matthews and McDavid. We all know that, you know, when he what he brings to the team is not as flashy as that. And he's a top line center, not a superstar, but he's a star. We yeah, I I essentially agree with that. You know, I mean, he's a lead at what he does. Unfortunately, it's not scoring 50 goals a year like some of these other guys are getting 90 to 100 points or whatnot. Uh, but I think we knew that considering the type of player he is. He's still a Flyers best player. And I don't know if that's a shot at re-signing him or not, but hearing some of the numbers he might get on a long-term deal made me feel a lot better about signing him. We'll have to ultimately see what gets done. But I, I thought he was going to creep towards eight, nine million, but if it's gonna or I'm sorry, nine, ten million, but if it's gonna be less than that, then you know, that's fantastic news. And we'll have to rebuild if, you know, we're not gonna be a team. If you're if you're a Flyers fan and you don't think Sean Couture deserves seven by nine, then I am absolutely at a loss for words. If you can get him less than seven by nine, then as far as I'm concerned, that's damn near a steal. Yeah, I mean, and I know he's older, but he's the Bergeron type of player. These guys do last later into their careers. They're not Eric Carlson. They're not these smaller stud or fast wingers who fall off at a moment's notice like he's the kind of guy you can pay this amount of money to and last into his career and while he again he's not going to score top of the line points and goals he's going to be your best center that we have and we're going to have to build a better team around him and really if they do that with their goaltending and they get him back on track when they add some legitimate defense then you're more than fine having a guy like Sean Couturier as your top line center you have to supplement him with other players, and you you should have the money to do that because you're not paying him $11, $12 million like you are guys like McDavid and Matthews. So, like, at what point did 70 to 85 points, essentially, because that's what Coots would put up during an 82-game season, not be considered uh, borderline elite? <laughs> Well, I think concerned. you just said it right there. Like, like borderline is yeah. probably right where he is. Borderline. Yeah. yeah. Like, like extreme, like right there, borderline. You know, if you could, if you could have like an 85, 90 point season, then you're like, okay. Coots yeah, it's a different story. Elite. Yeah. But right uh, now he's he hasn't topped 76 points. I mean, 30 goals back to back years is is very good. I think he was on pace for another 30 goal season this year. Unfortunately, the the years cut short with COVID and whatnot. Uh. You're right though. He he's right there, borderline. And but but I think his his defense, like it's absolutely elite. I mean, he won the Selkie Trophy. Offensively, if he could, I don't know, if he could hit 50 assists and score 30 goals, then it's gonna be like eh, the argument is there. Is is Coots elite? It might the scale might tip more towards elite. Yeah, I mean, what? like the like going back to last year, which is as close as we got to a full season, you know. Dreisaitl, 110, McDavid, 97, Pasternak, 95, Panera, 95, McKinnon, 93. Like, we don't get a flyer on there until, like, I'm still scrolling here. Like, it's not well, even in talking, the top 25. We're talking centers, right? Yeah. Just, I'm just going take by Pas- points in general. I know, They're but just, take Pasternak out. I'm, I'm just trying to think well, of elite centers. So you got McDavid, Dreisaitl, I don't know why he's listed as a center, Crosby, McKinnon, Stamkos, Barkov, Braden Point. Tavares, yeah, Drew's on this list. 
This now that's going back two years now. That was 85 points for Drew. Coots is not really like how many times? Let me see if pull up his stats. Has he actually teetered in that range? Because if you just touch it once or twice, that doesn't necessarily make you. You gotta have more sustainability at those numbers to be considered elite like that. Let's see. Could you imagine if he had a pastor knock on his wing? Well, he put up 100 fucking points. So he had back to back in. 1718 and 1819, he had 76 points both those years. The closest he's come to that, though, was in 2019 20, where he had 59. So I understand why people say that. Both those years, he played pretty much full seasons, he had 31 and 33 goals. So also, yeah, those are very good stats, but they're not elite. Yeah, but Plus, was he getting first defense. line minutes? Was he getting first line minutes then? Uh, or was assume. he still playing that defensive, you're going to play against everybody's 20... best line? I think in 2017, 18 is where they moved Giroud to wing, and um, that's when Coots stepped up. Because, I mean, you could see the the year before, in 2016, 17, he only played 66 games, only 34 points. You know, like, and then 17, 18, massive jump, more than doubles his points. Stayed there for back to back years, then started to trail off a little bit. Well, you know, it's, the only thing is he's going to be, what, 28? He'll he's 28 be... now, I think. Okay. So we'll have to see if he puts up. Yeah, he is 28 now. Uh, if he puts up like another 75 plus point season, maybe we're talking and keeps that stud defense uh, defensive play going. Then I do think you can make an argument that he's elite. He's not going to touch the 100 plateau because he offers that defense. That's just something that's going to be, you know, like the, sometimes you look at no, people don't look at anything but stats and they'll see a flyer with his name up there in the top five or ten. They're like, oh, we're a bunch of we're a bunch of two way forwards who can't get it done. That's what they think, you know. Here's a two way forward. This year we were we were a no way forwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were two way backwards. So this is from Mark DiCicco. DiCicco. Chris Gratton was a good flyer. Thoughts. Mm. He was Played. a much better Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when like you he... consider what we gave up to get him. Yeah. Like they, oh they my goodness. So much. Oh my, we gave up a lot. Played the total like it looks first like 108 round picks. games with the Flyers. He was a considered a disappointment. That's pretty known. That's pretty that's like the consensus. That's why they traded him back in the second round. There was no salary cap back then. If they really thought he was good, they would have just kept him. He had he 22 goals in his him. first year, 40 assists, 62 points, 159 penalty minutes. Uh Two goals in the playoffs, and it looks like they gave him 26 games the next year and traded him back to the Lightning. Yeah, for Renberg. Interesting. <laughs> Give me Renberg back. When, when you <laughs> trade a player away for another player and then pretty much reverse the trade back, so that means it didn't work out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wonder if that was in the writing. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. We actually, because he was uh, – <laughs> what you call? We had to give up draft picks because they signed him to an offer sheet essentially, and they traded the to get the draft picks back. They pretty much sent Renberg the other way. But at the end of that, they I think it was a one for one or pretty close to it to just get Renberg back and get Gratton gone, and they signed him to one hell of a contract as well. I, I would say it's pretty universally known that that was a not, that did not work out. Yeah, in in 96-97, he scored 30 goals, 62 points. And then the next year with the Flyers, 22 goals, 62 points, and never scored over 44 points again in a season. I didn't know he played for Buffalo. 
Damn, he was all over the place towards the end of his career there. Where's Carreras going to die? Yeah. <laughs> that, that tends to happen when you're not really as good as your one good season is. You know, wow. you get traded to the big market, realize it doesn't work out, and then you start to be a journeyman. 1,092 games played. That is a, a lot of games. A lot of professional sure. hockey. That yeah. was the dead puck era, so any 20-goal seasons, they'll keep you around. Right after uh, 08 not I'm sorry, 07-08, he was cooked. He played for Tampa, Norfolk, and Columbus all in the same year, so that must have oh, been boy. it. Yeah, that's yeah. All right, let's get back to the current roster here. So Sue says they have the talent. This Flyers team has the talent to win on paper, but they don't have the drive or the killing in- instinct to win at all. Do you guys agree or 100%. disagree? You think 100%. they have the talent to win right now? I think they, if if they had the heart, if every player on this team with the talent level that they had had the heart and determination of just one player, Wade Allison. They would have, they would have been in a whole different boat at this point. We would have been watching them in the playoffs if they just gave a shit. But the problem is, is half the, the these players on this team, they just don't seem like they care. And I'm tired of hearing excuses about how, oh, you know, they didn't get good workouts in, and and they 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 had oddball and and COVID and and I don't care, man. Nobody else that's in the position that they're in in the playoffs right now is, or at least look like they're even affected. No, they're all battling. They're all trying. Even the blues who got swept tried. It's true. Yeah. I mean, you pretty much just summed up Nolan Patrick right there. I mean, (laughs) uh, on paper should be good. No drive or killer instinct. And, you know, got half his foot out the door of the league. If not the flyers, if he has any kind of killer instinct or heart, he's easily a sec- your second-line center of now and the future. And this team's offensively, forward-wise, in a completely different position. And I don't think on paper that they're Stanley Cup contenders. They still need a defenseman, if not two. I don't think some of the uh, issues we had on defense were a killer instinct thing, much like with Myers. Like His straight-up decision-making was really bad. Um Bronze, he should be a sixth, seventh defenseman at most. He's playing top line minutes. Like that's not on paper a good a good setup by any means. I understand the point, you know, but they still need some tweaks and they definitely need that killer insects. And just to clarify, um, I don't think that they can win the Stanley Cup as is, even if they had the killer instinct and the heart and the drive. I'm just saying that they would be a winning team. Yeah, no, I won't argue that. I think they could have gotten by. I think they could have been the third or fourth seed if they really were like, you know, firing all cylinders and really cared. But a lot of them were mentally checked out. Some of them were never mentally checked in. And then there was a a portion, especially on D, where they're just either hopefully in Meyer's case just stumbled because he's young and someone in Braun's situation is put in a position that he's he can't do. He can't. He's not a top line defensive uh, pairing player like it just fish out of water. It's not going to work. So it's a combination of everything. Certain positions definitely need more skill. But, yeah, the, the drive is, is probably the biggest factor. I, I really believe that because there's so many players that were just just checked out. And I think that's why we want a lot of them going. That's why there needs to be a lot of roster turnover this year. Speaking of potential roster turnover, let's get to the next one here because this one, is, it gets a little bit spicier here. 
All right, I kind of <laughs> wanted to ease into the spice a little bit. Morgan Frost is a modern-day Jason Ackerson, but only slightly better. We've yet to see a nude butt picture or video of Morgan Frost. But as far as play goes, what do you guys think about that opinion? Well, he didn't take a uh, four-minute high stick in an important playoff game either. Um, I don't. I haven't seen enough of Morgan Frost. Agassim was like a phantom, you know, flash in the pan kind of thing. Morgan Frost has actual skill. Uh, he's just undersized. Like he, he's got to be able to stay healthy. He's got to be able to stay up here and do it consistently. And I think he, if there was room last year, he would have been up here. And then this year he got hurt. The jury's still out for me to make an assessment of that nature. I haven't seen enough of him at this level. What do you think, Kyle? Do you think Morgan Frost is an NHLer? I have to agree with Jack here. I mean, I haven't seen enough as of right now. No, I do not think he's an NHLer currently. He doesn't have the size. He's he's too small. He gets pushed off the puck way too easily at the NHL level at this point. So until he can learn to play with the bigger boys, then I I don't see him in the NHL next year. But. Jason Atkinson was not scoring like goals like Morgan Frost's first goal. He's got instincts with the puck around the net. You know, he is definitely undersized, and we saw that how he got hurt so easily. He needs to. He's not an NHL body type yet by any means. Man body. It's true. <laughs> it's true though. It really is. Um, but I think that's a. I don't know. That's like me saying. Although I think I think I'm closer in saying that Nolan Patrick is like Pat Falloon. You know, than uh than Akis in there. Like, I, I I don't even know. Are they the same size or something? Like, I don't know why that connection, <laughs> why uh, that player was pulled. Akison is 5'10", well, on HockeyDB at 30 years old. He's listed 5'10", 190 pounds. I'm going back to his OHL days, and in his final season, or his last two will do, in 65 games, he had 80 points. In 67 games, 180. And eight points. The next year with the Phantoms, he had 14 goals, 41 assists in 76 games. Pretty decent numbers, uh, especially in his first season with the Phantoms. Now, if we want to go back and check uh, old Morgan Frost numbers here, uh, Morgan Frost is listed at 5'11", at 170 pounds, at 22 years old. Uh, Pretty good OHL numbers. Uh, In 67 games, 42 goals. 112 points. Uh, and then again in 50, 58 games, 37 goals, 109 points. In his first season with the Phantoms in 1920, he. I'm sorry. 1920? In, in, 2000, <laughs> in 2019. <laughs> he's been around for a while. Season vet. <laughs> uh, 29 points in 41 games, 13 goals. I mean, obviously that we know that he was called up to the Flyers for an extended period there, 20 games where he scored two goals for seven points. Uh, listen, Morgan Frost right now is undersized, and and it's getting to a point. At 22 years old, you're I think you're expected to be in the NHL now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, dude, especially if, for if, a first rounder. If you're having trouble putting on body mass, if you're having trouble building muscle. But you don't get it, Jim. Nobody was allowed to train in the offseason in Canada. Nobody yeah, right. was allowed to lift weights because they would have got the COVID. 
<laughs> yeah, the comparison just doesn't make sense to me. Morgan Frost is a center. He was a first-round pick. Jason Atkinson's a winger, and he was undrafted. Like so I don't, outside of having a couple of good what phantom seasons and getting called up at some point, I, is he is he trying to say he's no better than a call-up, uh, smaller-sized phantom? I, I guess yeah. like he is he Peter White then, like a guy who was great in the AHL but couldn't hang in the NHL. Jordan Wheel. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you could, there's a laundry list of guys you could say. Ultimately, we haven't seen enough of Morgan Frost. Yeah, and I agree with that. Having said that, if if Morgan Frost doesn't come into next year with at least 10 more pounds of even, you know, whatever it is, doesn't have to be muscle, just come in 10 pounds heavier. It's it's going to be really hard for him to stay healthy for an 82-game NHL season. Um, you know, I, and I'm going to compare this a little bit. Maybe I'll crack open a can of worms here. Uh, what's happening in Montreal? They're not starting Caulfield, or they haven't until I think tonight. I'm not sure if he's playing or not. They didn't start him in the first two games. Now, everybody knows Caulfield's talent. They know his skill. He's a sniper. They can score. Montreal needs scoring. He's a little bit undersized still for the NHL. And it's kind of like, you know, are you protecting your player? Is, is you know, I want to know your guys' opinion about that because I feel like we may have differing opinions. What do you think about Caulfield? Cole Caulfield not playing in the first two games of the playoffs, even after what? having had a good uh, end to the regular season. Montreal won game one, correct? Yes. So the coach knows something we don't know. Until yeah. it's in, there's until also it's, a lot going on with the coaching there right now because I heard he's like a puppet for the owner or for the GM rather, you know, because they let Claude Julian go and whatnot, and he's not really calling the shots, and maybe. I don't know if it's because what happened to Tavares and they're worried that, like, you know, there's going to be some kind of retaliation or whatnot in game two. And they're just because he's so undersized. Guy like Simmons lights him up or something like that. Now they're a goal scorer of theirs um, on a lower pairing line that can, you know, change the, the tilts of a game. It's hurt and he's part of the future. Or if they just flat out experience. You know, we all we always talk about playoff bodies and they're always we want the guys who are seasoned vets who have been through playoff games before, who can take the bumps and bruises along the way and really Cole make Caulfield is playing tonight. Yeah, he's playing, playing, tonight. he's playing tonight. Yeah. But also, you know, it's a lot. They're the fourth seed playing one of the best teams going in the league right now. So they're going to have to they're probably not going to win if they match skill for skill. They're going to have to get the bigger bodies in there. They're going to have to to crash and bang. And Tavares is already out. You know, I mean, I'm sure you're going to see a lot more of that. If I take issue with Montreal, it's they're putting their lineups that they're setting up are a little odd. They got uh, who's the guy they just got from the Columbus who was doing great for them. They signed to like a seven year deal. Oh, Josh Anderson. Anderson. They had him on like the fourth line. This guy's like doing good things for you. Like he should be on like your second, if not at least third line. But, uh, you know, I can understand them not having a guy like Caulfield in there who's it really comes down to are you going to match up your top skilled guys against Toronto's top skilled guys? You're going to lose. You don't have enough. You got to play a different game that knocks them off of their onto their keisters, I should say, and crash and bang. And that's how they won game one. With with Toronto's goaltending, just throw everything at the net. <laughs> every yeah. every goddamn thing you got, throw it at the net. Yeah, and maybe take down another star player in the process. I mean, you know. See, now- First and foremost, just to address that elephant in the room, that was completely inc- like incidental. That was nobody was attempting to actually hurt 
No, hit him in the face like that? No. But they do play a, a tougher game. I mean, look at their defensive players. Like they're not they're not speed speedsters. You're not having Weber and Baron and guys of that nature aren't speeding around out there. They're, we've played this team last year. We know what they're capable of, and they added Josh Anderson. So I think the reason they are protecting him a little bit because he's not a seasoned vet who's played playoffs and hasn't really gotten bumped around and hit. And then we know playoffs is a completely different game than the regular season. And I think if they go skill for skill, they'll lose. Now, yeah, you want to mix him in because you do need to score goals, but you want to keep him fresh. You know, you beat up Toronto a little bit in the first few games, and then you unleash a guy like Caulfield. Maybe things open up for him a little bit, and he can get some clear shots on that. And like Kyle said, put everything he can on that. If you have a sniper of that caliber getting some uh, grade grade A shots, then maybe things change for you. They got to try everything they can because they're clearly the underdog. I'll agree with that. So I'm going to move on to the next uh, next controversial opinion here, and I think this is going to be a good one. Because uh, if you guys can see, and I know the listeners can't see, there's a jersey hanging up over here. Oh, Autographed here Keith Primo. Keith Primo had one good playoffs, but was slightly above average here. Not great, as others claim. I can't believe how overrated he was and is. Now, I'm looking just at numbers right here real quick, just to, because he's wrong right from the start. Keith Primo had one good playoffs, but was slightly above average. So... Keith Primo, uh, in 71 games in the year 2000, scored 34 goals, 73 points. Uh, in the playoffs, a couple years later in 03-04, I guess that's the one he's talking about, in 18 games he had nine goals for 16 points. Is is Instigator right, guys? Was Keith Is is Keith Primo overrated? Uh, no. Keith Primo was a versatile do-everything-for-you center. I mean, people forget, like, towards the end there, he was banged up, he was hurt, and that's what people tend to remember, but if I just beg everybody to just go back and look at the first, what, three years, four years with the Flyers, oh my god, dude, Keith Primo was a freaking beaut, like, if you can't tell me he was average at best, like, come on. Yeah, I love Keith Primo when he was here. I, he was a hell of a talent coming in. It What sucks is how long Brynamore lasted. Brynamore played into, what, 2008 or something, something crazy? And Primo was, because of concussions, which we didn't really know a whole lot about back then, was pretty much slowly getting less and less playing time until he eventually, geez, the year Hitchcock got fired, I think he played three games and retired. You know, that was like 2000, I don't know, five? Like right after the lockout, you know, like he got hurt. Like he's a bigger guy, but he, the Kyle said he did everything. He were afraid that you were afraid to to hit him, to fight him. He fought. He did. He, he was like a mini Lindros in that regard. Like he scored. He he did everything, and he was a leader. You know, and uh, scored the one of the greatest goals in Flyers history. His own brother. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> That's he did. Yeah, he was. Uh, this I, looks I, like. I understand. For the more lasted, it looks like at least four or five more seasons than Primo uh, was just as productive too. So that that's interesting but, there. But Brindamore was sculpted out of stone. There's, he was <laughs> like you yeah. can't. I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize how long he played for Carolina for, man. That's like saying the Ducks won the Pronger trade, you know, because Pronger got hurt. 
is that how we make trades now? Well, he might get hurt, so let's not make that trade. Like, at the time of the trade, Primo was the better player. He got hurt. He got concussions. Because of the way he played. It is what it is. It's nothing you can do. Overrated? That's that's anyway. How, how did the Hurricanes do after that trade? Flyers were a perennial playoff team. You know, they were always in the mix for the President's Trophy, Eastern Conference Finals. They were always there. I never heard of the Carolina Hurricanes doing anything until after, way after the lockout. And Primo was long retired by then. I don't know if it's the year that they won the cup or not. Did they? When did Carolina win the cup? Oh one or or? No, 05? it was like oh seven, oh something like okay, that. Okay, it must be oh five, oh six. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so that didn't come for a while after. The league the also completely changed then too. Yeah. Completely changed. Yeah, that was pretty much the end of Primo too. As soon as when the league changed, because he was a slower guy. Yeah, he was a, he was done because of concussions. He played three games and he was yeah. he had to retire. Yeah, I don't know if if I totally agree with that. I could see if you're just looking at stats. See, and this is a you know I think we said we mentioned this earlier in the show. If you're just looking at stats, that's easy to say. That, hey, Keith Primo's overrated. But if you watch the way he played, there's no way you can say he's he was he's overrated. At least I, at least you know it sounds like in in our collective opinion here. Uh, but I watched yeah, him a lot in the playoffs, and, and yeah. they were always there. Scored one of the biggest playoff goals in Flyers history. They were always in the Eastern Conference Finals, if not in the mix, always at the top of the division. And he was eventually the captain. I mean, what more can you ask for outside of a cup? And Carolina didn't do anything until the league had completely changed. They got Eric Stahl, mind you, who was the first overall pick of whatever draft that was, you know, and he, he got hurt. That's all That's all it was to it. And the game completely changed as well. And I can't say that enough. Was, Primo we watched was during a different era. So here's another one that might ruffle your feathers. Lauren Hart's version of the Star Spangled Banner is weak. Who said that? Penguins fan? <laughs> <laughs> that's from our buddy lou lou crescetto i, I think he's i, think I don't he's, know if it's weak or we just hear it every single game so to us it's like okay yeah isn't she the number one how do you say this anthemist anthemist yeah. <laughs> in the nhl i mean yeah. she only sings one song she only sings one song i mean come on yeah, I thought that was an interesting one. I, I, there was a lot of these that I could try to understand and agree with, but that was one where it's like, yeah, I'm not going there. So here's one that I think we can talk about for a couple minutes here. The Flyers, this is from our buddy Tim. The Flyers bailed on their rebuild and will be mired in another one in less than three years. That's actually really spicy. That's a, yeah. That take is... Less I, than three honestly, years. Honestly, it's all going to come down to this offseason. That's true. To determine what takes place. So if they fumble this offseason coming up, I can absolutely see that. But if they hit it out of the park this offseason or even hit like a double, I don't know about full rebuild coming back. But. All right. I have a question, and I want you guys to answer this for me. When did they enter a, ru- a full rebuild? It's true. As long they as Giroux was here, they weren't they weren't in a rebuild. And Voracek. Yep. They never true. they were they hired Hackstall. They were always a playoff bubble team. A rebuild is you sell everything you have, and you're a bottom dwelling team. You get top five, top ten picks. They never the only time they ever had that was the Patrick, which we know we jumped. We we weren't the second worst team in the league. We jumped. 
So I went. This is we true. Ne- it was a retool. It was never with dead contracts. It was never a full rebuild. But for for what the Flyers fans are used to, what happened during that Hextall era was as close as the Flyers have seen to a rebuild in the history of the franchise. So for uh, us, I would say no. Holgram was when they finished dead last. They had a horrible team. Drafted JVR. Traded for Teeman in and Hartnell. He signed Danny Briere, and he went from second. Well, no, he went from the worst team in the league to the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, the Carter and Richards came into their own. Wouldn't that be? That, wouldn't that be considered more of a retool than a rebuild? I don't. They were a dead last team, and they got they almost turned over the entire roster. I don't know how. Well, that's how that's, re, that's almost retooling, though. I mean, because they didn't do it through their draft picks. Well, so what I'm saying. They, they what I'm saying, guys. Jack, is, is what you said is rebuild. You know, tank for freaking three years straight, stockpile, top 10 pick after top 10 pick after top 10 pick, and then that's how you rebuild a team like Detroit did. Or so is when doing. did the Flyers do that? Hexel had what a lot I'm of saying, picks, and that's, but that's he never my had point. top picks. But that's my point is the for his, the history of the, the Flyers franchise – them four years that Hextall was in control, that was the closest thing Flyers fans have ever seen to a rebuild in this town. Oh, yeah, and that I was this, I think this generation, because you know, I said you trade everybody you have. Holcomb traded Peter Forsberg. Forsberg versus Hextall trading Coburn's a big difference. You know, like he got a lot for Forsberg. You know, he tur- he flipped those picks. He got a first round pick and he because he didn't draft with it and he traded for Teeman and Hartnell, like I thought that was a good move. Who's the biggest guy that Hextall traded off this roster? Braden Coburn, Forsberg, Coburn. Massive difference. Just because he was able to do it faster. Yeah, neither are uh, a huge rebuild, but, you know, Snyder was still alive then. I don't think he would have put up with that. But, you know, Hextall takes – they were constantly a playoff bubble team. The lowest they had ever finished, they had the seventh overall pick of the draft, which they got Prover off with. That was the lowest they finished. Once. Yeah. I think I agree with that. And I think that's a lot of the reason why we are where we are today. Because they never they floundered yeah. and didn't do it. But how could you? You have you have Drew. And uh, I think it that, leads that's where he into, messed up. Jim, it kind of leads into something else that I know you have on your list there. And I think that's why they were in the situation they were in. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to go off on Hextall a little bit here because it's not a popular opinion, but and I'm, I tried to understand why he did what he did. And I think it's because if you go full rebuild in Philadelphia, if you go years without putting a good product on the ice, fans aren't coming to those games. They're not going to spend money on, on those games because you can go watch the Sixers for that amount of money. And they're, you know, they're in the playoffs every year right now. Um, the Phillies are playing good baseball, uh, whatever. So you're not going to spend that kind of money on the Flyers to watch them, you know, lose on purpose or whatever it is, right? I mean, we saw with the Sixers, people just stopped going to games. Only I think with the Flyers is people may not come back until, you know, they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals again or whatever it is. It takes I think it takes longer to develop NHL prospects than it does – you know, to draft the number one, two, three overall player in basketball. And right away, you know, unlike the Sixers, right away they're in your starting five. You know what I mean? So if they were to fully take it down and do an actual rebuild in Philly, 
you're at risk of losing, you know, fans and, you know, maybe lifelong fans. I don't know. So I think what Hextel had to do was tiptoe the line of, you know, keep the team competitive and he kept Giroux around, Voracek around, while also trying to, you know, stock the cupboard of prospects and stay competitive. And it's a hard thing to do, but he did that, wasted Giroux's career. If you want to say wasted Voracek's career, I don't think he was going to do much anyway. Uh, and we're still kind of stuck in this limbo where the roster is not good enough. Uh, and and the team, you know, after this, whatever you want to call it, retool, rebuild, I mean, they're not, they're just not ready. And it's been, what, six years since that all started? Now, I know it's Fletcher's job and, you know, Hextall maybe would have done this also to now kind of put his own mark on the NHL roster and, and fill it out with, you know, the players he wants to bring in. But, uh, you know, like there's two sides for me because I can just destroy Hextall and say, you know, the team is where they are today because of what he did while he was here. And on the other hand, I'm like, well, now I understand why he did that because Philly's a big market and you don't want to tank a big market, you know, especially with the way hockey's – I mean, we're seeing fans today. You know, it's all about gritty and, you know, the the corporate stuff. They don't care about the hockey team. You know, it's all about Nolan Patrick's hair, or what what's what hats he wearing at the press conference, or blah blah blah. Like like these young kids, I don't think they watch hockey to watch hockey anymore. So if the team stinks and you turn them off, you're you're missing out on fans for for a good five, ten. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? And yeah. and when I say fans, I mean dollar signs, is what I mean, because that's what we are to them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially now more than ever. Yeah. Not me. Uh, I go for free. <laughs> <laughs> I drink for free. <laughs> All right, so let's get to this point here that, that Jack was, I think, talking about. So this is from our good buddy Noah. We know Noah. He's a nice boy. Maybe a bit misguided, but that's, uh, you know. <laughs> the Flyers have been effed. I'm not going to sink to your level, Noah, and I'm not going to say the F word on the show. The Flyers have been effed because of Snyder's mentality of always being competitive when we should have gone into a full rebuild years ago. Ed Snyder fucked us. Wow. I, I can't wait to hear your guys' that. opinion on this. I mean, you go, there you were some go first? questionable decisions that were made by at the direction of Ed Snyder, but I'll tell you what, compared to what we're dealing with now in this corporate mindset, I would gladly take that emotion and bad choices to be good or at least in the conversation over mediocre with uh, probably 101 excuses at the end of every season. Yeah. So he's a little wrong here, uh, Noah. Um, The stuff that Ed Schneider forced on Holgram had nothing to do with a rebuild. The team had just come off a Stanley Cup run. They sputtered in the next year, losing in the second round of the playoffs to Boston. Um, They needed goaltending help. So he forced Holgram to sign Brzezgalov and trade Bobrovsky. That was like the big first thing because you paid – I can't tell you how much for your cap you just – allotted to this new goaltender and you had a guy waiting in the wings now you're forced to trade now he's getting older that he wants to go for it in comes Vinny LeCavalier you paid god knows what he did for him Pronger gets hurt nobody saw that coming it was a freak thing he got hit in the eye with a, a stick and he had the, oh, concussion issues and all sorts of stuff if Pronger doesn't get hurt who knows how long this team can drag this out for I mean the team was good from like 09 to 2013 
Holgram or Holgram, uh, Snyder died in what 2015? You know that team was still a playoff team. There was there was no signs of we need to do a rebuild until like year two of Paxstall. So some of the things that Snyder forced on Holgram, like LeCavier, like Bobrovsky, that kind of screwed the team. Those those contracts were around for a while. Not making smarter decisions and letting some guys like Bobrovsky grow through your system, that hurt. And that's why some of these dead contracts were with us. But saying that they needed to enter a full rebuild because of him is just not true. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be honest here. Uh, I don't want my teams to go through full rebuilds. I want them to be competitive every year. I want them to try to win the cup every year, you know, however that may be. Um, those four years that Hextall was here and whether they, you know, you want to say that they were rebuilding or retooling, however you want to put it, those four years sucked, right? And, it, and they still suck. Last year was the exception. It was fun. But we are where we are because of retooling or rebuilding, whatever you want to call it. Like when you rebuild, you're not guaranteed to be good. Like look at look at Edmonton, look at Buffalo. They had two of the best players in the league and they both sucked. Right. Edmonton makes the playoffs and they can't win. Buffalo, I don't know if they're ever going to make the playoffs again. They're going to lose Jack Eichel. You're not guaranteed to win just because you rebuild. Then you have to draft right. You know, and uh, dude, if, if I could choose between having Ed Snyder, even in a cap era or rebuilding, I would choose Snyder every single time. And and, and it's not just because, you know, I, I know that they will go out and get good players or this and that. But his enthusiasm, his passion to be an owner or to be associated with the Flyers would trickle down. It trickles down. That kind of energy trickles down. Like right now, you watch the Flyers, you know that they're corporate owned because they play like it. Like they, they have no emotion. It's all about money. It's it's just totally different. So maybe Noah doesn't understand that because maybe when he was younger, you know, that's when he watched the Ed Snyder Flyers and he doesn't understand that yet. But when the guy at the top cares more than anybody else, it trickles down, right? When you have a guy at the top that only cares about the bottom line, this is what you get, what we saw this year, passionless, emotionless hockey. And, you know, that that's why I have to disagree with Noah. As, as much as I can understand his point about the, the cap error and whatnot, I'll take Ed Snyder every single day over what we're getting now. So. Good. It was as far as controversial opinions go, A plus. But you're wrong. He's not, he wasn't completely off the mark either. <laughs> but you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A plus. But you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, wasn't completely off the mark though. The Snyder did do things that kind of hurt the team's future, but I think he's a little his timeline's off. And I agree with you, Jim. Like, can you imagine if Snyder was in full health going into Fletcher's first off season? Uh, Panarin probably be on this team. He'd be incredibly over. He'd probably be making thirteen million dollars a year, but he would be on this team. Like, a guy like that attracts players, man. He's just in, he's infectious. You want to play for that guy, and they, you know they don't have a guy like that in the organization in the organization anymore. Not even close. Yeah, so I, you know, we said I think on the last show or two, when Snyder died, a huge piece of the the Flyers died as well. I mean, a lot of tradition went with them apparently. Uh, so you, you think about why a player would want to play for the Flyers. If the first thing that pops in your head is money, that sucks, you know? So good uh, good topic there, Noah. We uh, Well, at least I strongly disagree, but good topic, dude. Uh, didn't expect to see that, to be honest with you. It threw me off a little bit. 
you know, a lot of people see something like that and, you know, they're probably trying to find out where the poor kid lives so they can burn this up. <laughs> For real. <laughs> um, all right. So let me see here. I think maybe we'll go with one more just to wrap up the controversial opinions. So this is kind of an opposite from an opinion that we had earlier. The team has very little talent, misguided management and no plan to turn things around. <laughs> what do you think about that? I think I disagree. No talent. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> no talent. That's that's frustration with the year, this previous year. Um, they're they were missing key pieces. They're very young. There's something here. They just need to get it's a mentality thing for me. It's a culture thing for me. It's getting guys who don't want to play or be here. Patrick, maybe even Vorchek to an extent uh, out of here and using that money properly elsewhere. Getting legitimate defensemen in here to play with Provorov. Getting a legitimate partner for Sandheim. Not having Braun on your top pairing. As much as we commend the guy, he just doesn't belong there. And you got to give – we all say how great it was Nolan Patrick played a full season. If we're going to give that kind of ice time to a player, it needs to be somebody who wants to be here and who wants to play and win. Like that will make all the – I could have somebody with half of his, his skills, and if they want to be here and play and win, they're going to give you more. They need to get certain guys out of here – and get other guys in here to mix with the right guys, the Farabees, the Allisons, even the Jerus and the Couturiers. You know, you make that right mix. That's why this is a retooling, as Kyle was alluding to earlier. Like they need to, it's gonna be tough, but they need to get the right guys out, bring the other the right other guys in to mix with who you deem as the right players currently on your team, which is why they re-signed Lawton. I think they identified a player who wants to be here, who wants to play and win, and they signed him. So I can't get mad at the team for doing that. What I can get upset with them for is not trying to move out of a Voracek contract or figure out something with Patrick or upgrade the team. So saying they're talentless is just silly. It's just frustration with the team because of what they did. It's like almost forgot about the year before the same exact team was on one of the hottest streaks in the NHL. This team has plenty of talent. They need to add to it. They need to supplement their better guys. They need to get rid of some dead weight out of here. That's really all it is. You agree with that, Kyle? I have no idea what the question was. I'm sorry. I got like 100 people messaging me right now about my toka party this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> what's, um, what's your address, Kyle? Uh, I'm not saying that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I just disagree with all three points there. By, uh, I forget who it was, but Flyers have talent. They need to add more. They need to complement the talent that they have on the roster. I think that was clear. So maybe this year had to happen in a way. More importantly than all that, they need to gain some sort of identity. A hundred percent. And if you think about the organization as a whole, what are the Flyers? Like, what are they? You know, like, a shitty that's a great team. point. Yeah, I mean, what you, I, you think of gritty when you think of the Flyers, right? Like, that sucks. He's used to, yeah. Like that blows. Like I don't know. I think there needs to be major changes here. Uh, they need to figure out what direction they want to go as a hockey team. Do they want to be a big bruising hockey team that's gonna, you know, yes. uh, yes. fight in the playoffs? <laughs> yeah, or, or you know, they're gonna be this fast hockey team supposedly that plays defense. That we didn't see any of that this year. So a lot of questions need to be answered. That was a pretty cool little segment there. A lot of people participated in the most controversial Flyers opinion. So that was fun. Uh, We have about 10 minutes left in the show. 
where do you guys want to go with this? What have you guys been watching the playoffs? For a full circle, they have been, and uh, <laughs> yeah, Washington really surprised me. I mean, I know they had some injuries, but geez, they're already done. We pretty much nailed Colorado. Uh, it looks like Vegas will do the same, but Winnipeg, man, wow. Who would have thought Boston would would have advanced further than Zidane Chara and Tori Krug this year? Not me. Maybe you guys did. No, I I don't know. Well, I had them finishing second, so I thought, or maybe even first. I thought I thought Boston was going to be pretty good this year, but the way the season went, maybe not. You know, because they they were looking like they were going to be a teetering team on the fourth there, uh, but then the Flyers completely fell off and there went that. But yeah, ever since that, I think Taylor Hall is real. I mean, I know he's a great player, but he did nothing in Buffalo. He's really gelled with that team on top of the talent they already had. Marshan, as much as we hate him, is a really productive player. And their defense is really starting to come together a little bit. The goaltending does just enough. And I couldn't believe that Washington didn't put up a better fight. Like, it was yeah, like, wow, too. they're already through. They're already they through. Their, they lost their goalie in game one. Who, I mean, did I, they, who, who got hurt? Was it Vanacek. Is he really – like, I thought – see, you could argue Samsonoff was their goalie. Anderson's not yeah, bad. Like He's just old. But they really didn't have – that's their problem. They didn't really have anybody as a set number one. I mean, for a while it was Samsonoff, but then he got COVID, mm-hmm. you know? So I, if, if they – if it was like Holpe and he got hurt, okay, okay, they lost it. It was more than that. There was that miscue in the overtime game with Ovechkin and Samsonoff. And, or I know Ovechkin was yelling. I don't know what happened. But it pretty much cost him a game. They were banged up. I remember Oshie was – he didn't even practice. He played. He was barely playing. Like, they got banged up. Wilson was pretty ineffective. And they just couldn't get enough done. And they, they only won the game one. And they pretty much got swept after that. And that's – Boston's looking pretty strong. I, I think Boston will beat the winner of Pitt and the Islanders. That, that's how – Confident, I feel about Boston right now. They're rolling. Wow. I can't remember who I picked in that series. I think it may have been the Capitals, though. I took the Capitals in seven. I'm like, geez, they couldn't even get it to game six, for God's sake. I, I had the I had the Caps in six. You know what? Let me bring that up while we're doing I mean, this. I think injuries played full, but I didn't see the fight there as, as much. Boston just they just were flat out the better team. Yeah, I kind of thought Lavi would have the Capitals flying around in the playoffs a little bit, but. He did not. All right, let's see here, boys. Let me see. What the, what division are we talking about here? Mass Mutual East. Let's see. Predictions. All right, so Boston. Yeah, uh, everybody took the Capitals except for Steve and Johnny. They both picked the Bruins, but they picked them in six and seven, respectively. Some idiot Jim picked the Capitals in five. That was not the case. <laughs> 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 All right. And the other series in the Mass Mutual East, the Penguins and Islanders. So what what even is this? It's 2-1 to one, Penn, uh, Pittsburgh, or 3-1 Pittsburgh? It's 2-2, two, two, two. and Pittsburgh's up 2-1 right now. Okay. So I'm wrong automatically because I picked the – I don't know why I picked all these to be five-game series. Penguins in five. Uh, Jack has Islanders in six, and Kyle has Penguins in seven, which could potentially go. Uh, or it could be 4-2 Islanders. What do you guys think? Uh, series living up to what you thought it'd be? The way the games are playing out right now, um, I thought after game one the Islanders might really pull off that game six uh, series win. My X factors were for Pittsburgh, outside of like Carter and Crosby, like was Jerry, and Jerry had a really rough game one, but he, he turned the corner. 
and that's been a difference so far. On the other hand, for the Islanders, I had um, what's his name from the Devils was the next factor in game one. He had a, a goal and he had the overtime goal, but I don't know how much he's done since then because it's been all Pittsburgh for the most part. I was actually surprised to check and see the series was tied at two because I missed the last game yep. because it just looked like it's been all Penguins. And I expect the Penguins to win tonight. And I expect them to win the next game. Maybe it goes to game seven, but I'm leaning that I think the Penguins are going to pull it off. You know what I find weird? I, like, I kind of am rooting for the Penguins for some reason because <laughs> Jim, uh, dump him, dump him. Where's baby. the dump button? Like dump Carter, him. Baby. <laughs> At this point, I just want to watch. I just want to have fun watching hockey games. And if the Islanders advance, I'm not going to have fun, you know? That's a good point. Yeah. So, as long as they don't win a cup style of hockey. Yeah. As long as the penguins don't win another frigging cup. Like I hope they beat the Islanders. Uh, the other, let's move over to the, uh, central division, the discover central real quick. Cause oh. there's some crazy series happening over here. Uh, before we get to, uh, the hurricanes one, because I think, you know, we're all a little bit surprised there. The lightning and Panther series has been pretty entertaining. And, I think uh, me and Josh and I were the only ones that had the Panthers winning. Both picked them in seven. Everybody else just knew better and picked the Lightning. Uh, <laughs> Jack, you have <laughs> you had the Lightning in five, and Kyle, you have the Lightning in seven. I think it's three to one Panthers right now. So it both could still one, be true. Tampa's up one nothing in the first. Wow, and they just look like they're locked in, man. It looks like Kucherov didn't miss a beat. Stamkos hasn't missed a beat. It's not fair. Well, it, neither it's, one of them. They're rested. Really they're completely rested. Yeah. They're, their yeah. team's ridiculous. The circumventing of the cap was, I would say, it's genius. Except for everybody saw coming a mile away. Uh, and they're just top. Not only are they, they have all the depth. They have the top tier talent as well. They have the one of the best goalies in the league. Some of the best defensive players. Like they should walk. You know, mm. the the one game that Florida won, it looked like they gave their all. 6-5 overtime win. I was like, that was their best effort. They can't do that three more times. There's no way. So, I mean, Tampa's just too good. Yep. All right, let's get to the fun one here. This series is uh, – uh, might be my best one, my favorite one to watch right now. And it's because, you know, the, the Predators kind of very sneakily got better as this season went on. They were going to be sellers, if you remember, at the deadline. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I can't remember if they added or not, uh, but but players like Ely Tolvanen finally came into his own during the course of this year. Uh, the defense got together. Ryan Ellis is now back playing. Uh, they're getting decent goaltending from Soros. Uh, Forsberg. Nick Cousins is scoring in the playoffs. Nick freaking Cousins is scoring. <laughs> uh, Duchesne. are falling off. <laughs> Dude. So this series is two to two, heading back to Carolina. You guys kind of feel like double OT home wins. Yeah, a lot of Nashville momentum has in Nashville's mom- favor. Yeah, this is I crazy. Agree. It's been Hurricanes won Game One five to two. They shut them out in Game Two three zip. And I was listening to Hockey Buzz and Eklund, who most people make fun of for a lot. He goes, "I'll be worried about Nashville when they lose at home." And they go and win two double overtime games, both at home. I'm like. I guess a broken clock is right twice a day or so. I don't know how he called that one. 
Now we had Carolina, Jim, and your power rankings. What was he number one? Or, they were one or two. Yeah. And now they're tied. The good thing it's going back to Carolina because like, I never thought I'd be saying that. Like, they're going to need that crowd there, man, for sure. They're going to need every fan they can get in that building to make some noise for that. I dude. thought Nashville was the weakest. I still kind of do, but maybe they just caught lightning in a bottle. Cinderella story. The weakest team going into these playoffs and going against one of the top tier teams. And they just tied it up. They have all the momentum on their side. They, they beat them twice. They only got to beat them two more times. and They can just hang with them. I don't know. There's no way they get past Tampa if they beat Carolina. There's no way, but yeah, one step at a time. Can we talk about how much fun Nashville Predators games look like they are? Have you guys seen any of these games on TV? Like, like, come on. Like, we're talking about Nashville here. Like, and and we're going Carolina too. Yeah, and Carolina as well. We're we're going Gaga over a friggin' mascot. Like, come on. Like, I think. I think maybe we got to start bringing like old time hockey back a little bit to these games. And, and, and it might be up to like guys our age to, to kind of bring that. Like you got uh, Taylor Lewan or whatever, the, the lineman from the Titans chugging beers on, on the screen, on the big screen over there. And uh, you know, they're throwing catfish onto the ice. And meanwhile, we're all, you know, clapping our hands and, and screaming and crying over gritty over here. Like, come on. I, I think it might be up to us to kind of step up the, uh, the uh, fan atmosphere at these games here, but dude, they're fun. Like they're like a night. Out. I mean, I know they're like a night out to a lot of these people yeah. maybe, but like, come on, they look like they're a lot of fun. But we could do better. Those fans are confident in their team, even That's down to, Oh, they're yeah. confident. It's like, they know, you know, until they beat us in our house, we get, we're not worried. <laughs> Went to double overtime twice, but still like, it would be nice Wins to feel win. like that again. It'd be nice not to go in, you know, clenching my butt cheeks to every single game. The flyers <laughs> play, Hey, it's a big game, national television. I'm like, great, I'm going to be pissed off in about two hours. It'd be yeah. good to be like, yeah, I can't wait to watch that game. When yeah. was the last time that happened? Yeah, you felt confident, positive. It's been a while. Felt like, I didn't even, you know, we were the I didn't favorites. Even, I didn't even tune into the Lake Tahoe game. I was like, nope. I'm not even doing it. it. <laughs> and it started right away. It was like the first opportunity Boston had. It was a 2 on 0 or 2 on 1. It was ridiculous. I'm a masochist. I watched the entire thing. Um, All right, let's skip on over to the uh, North Division here, the Canadian Division. Uh, Before we get to the Winnipeg Oilers series, let's get to Montreal and Toronto. I think it's 1-1, right? Tonight's Game 3. At the time we're recording this, every single person on our panel has the Maple Leafs. Uh, Jack has Leafs in 6. I have Leafs in 5. Kyle has Leafs in 5. So, and it'll be interesting because there's a huge difference in that series now with Tavares out and Caulfield is now playing. We'll see if the scales tip a little bit, but nobody has Canadians and, and nobody has the series going seven games. So that should tell you what you needed to know there. Maple Leafs up two to one right now. It's the end of the second period. Um, yeah, I think you laid that out pretty good. Um, yeah. I thought if Montreal had a chance, it would be because Carey Price just turned into the Carey Price that we're used to with that defense, which would still be a tall order considering the offensive juggernaut that is the Toronto Maple Leafs. With Tavares going down, that, but still, Matthews is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, you know, we talk about McDavid's points, but Matthews' goals are ridiculous. Yeah, he's they really are. Marner, he's still got the grid at the bottom of the lineup. he got a little bit of everything. But, Nealander you know, scored the first three goals in the playoffs for the first time since Alexander Mogilny did it against the Flyers in 2003. Alexander Mogilny, there you go. There's a, <laughs> there's a name pull. Oh, my God. 
yeah. So it's it, it, it you know it's it's Leafs and Montreal. You know it, it's when's the, the last time I think these guys played in the playoffs was the 70s. Wow. Like that that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I'm glad that these two teams got to go at it. These are the two biggest markets in in Canada. Um, just for that alone, I think I had it. What did I say? I had it going five or six. You have it going six. Yep. All right. See, I think I would have originally said five, but it's Montreal. It's Toronto. Just give it game six, maybe even game seven. That'd be pretty sweet. But I'm still confident in Toronto, but things could swing Montreal's way depending on how they play. Still close right now. Yep. Now, let's move on to the Oilers, Jets. And I just want to point out real quick to everyone listening that my co-hosts are very, very smart here, Jack and Kyle, because everybody else – Pick the Oilers to win the series. And a couple of us, I won't name any names, Josh, John, and myself, pick the Oilers to win four to one. Four games to one against the Winnipeg Jets. They're currently down three nothing. They blew a three nothing I'm sorry, a three goal lead within a span of five minutes in the third period last night. And they're all but cooked, if you ask me. Now Jack, you have the Jets winning in seven, and Kyle, you have the Jets winning in six. It's inevitable. The Jets are going to win. So great picks there by you guys. I had to make up for that Washington series that I've Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. Can you imagine if they actually sweep? I'm like, who would have picked that? Seriously. And you know what I was basing my pick off of? Because I was following uh, towards the end of the year there. Uh, along the fantasy playoffs, and I just happened to be playing or going up against Connor McDavid the week where he played the Jets like three times. And if you go back and if you go back and look at those games against the Jets, he may have scored uh, between 12 and 15 points in just those three games. He looked unstoppable. I'm not sure what changed with the Jets between then and now, but it's a totally different what's happening. They- I think it might have something to do with they played a lot of playoff games in the last, uh, I don't know, five, six years. They're they're yeah. always there. They don't always win. Sometimes they're one and done, but they're they're a staple of the playoff picture in the West or in their division now or wherever the hell they are. And maybe that's showing a little bit. They got very good goaltending. Hellebuck's a hell of a defenseman, I think, or goaltender. Some of their defensemen that are younger guys have stepped up. You know, guys that I heard their name, I'm like, man, I remember when this guy was drafted. I didn't even know he made it to the NHL. You know, they've supplemented some of their losses with some young guys, and they're doing just enough. Kyle Connor's a pretty nice young player. Shifley's still good. Wheeler's still moving. And they must be finding a way to shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl. And you know what? Who's in goal for Edmonton? Mike Smith? That might have something yeah. to do with it, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how. He had a great regular season somehow, but and I love this too. The game two, it goes to overtime, nothing, nothing, and Paul Stasny scores. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when they traded for him, I was like, oh, it's a bad move. What are they thinking? Like, so these Paul little contributions Stasny. here and there, are just getting it done. And the reason I think I chose Winnipeg and I had to make it game seven because it's Edmonton was because there's no way the hockey gods are going to give us McDavid and Matthews no. because it's what we all want. And I don't see the Maple Leafs losing to Montreal, at least at the time I made the pick. So somebody's got to go. Yeah. And it's a team that perennially loses in the first round of the playoffs. Yep. Unfortunately. It would have been nice to see more McDavid. But 
I don't think there's any way they win four straight. Maybe they win a game. You know, maybe the outside shot they win was two. The, but. Was the Flyers less to go uh, 4-0? Come back? Uh, yeah. I think LA did it a couple years later, I think. Against, was it, was I want to say a, maybe. I can't remember if that was a 3-1. They did it like back-to-back series. No, nah, I uh, think they beat San Jose 3 nothing. I think it was San Jose. I can go back and double-check that. You're probably that, right. Yeah. I just can't remember if that was 3-0 or 3-1, but I think they did it in back-to-back series, which is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I could just go double-check that real quick. Come back 3-0. I don't know if I see Edmonton being that team. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. So yeah, this has been around everybody. They don't, have the, they don't have the defense or the goaltending. If they and, had, uh, if they had a guy like Jonathan Quick, it was, it would yeah, be amazing. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really <laughs> good point. If you're gonna come back from that, although the Flyers did it with what Brian Boucher and and uh, Michael Lee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I get your point. There's no not against a team like that. So the Flyers did it in 2010, and the Kings did it um 2014. They came back. They're the fourth team to erase a three nothing series deficit with a five one game se- game seven win versus the Sharks. Nice, I think Richard Jim. was on that team. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Richards our and Carter. And Carter, who's tearing it up with the Penguins? How about that? Uh, West Division: Colorado Avalanche for St. Louis Blues. St. Louis, thanks for showing up. Time to go home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we all picked the Avalanche. Uh, uh, only one of us think, picked the Sweet. Um, What's his name feels? Um, oh, geez. The center for the Blues came out and said that uh, it's going to oh, be fun and O'Reilly. we're going to beat them. O'Reilly, yeah. yeah. It's going to be fun and we're going to beat them. They didn't even win a game. Something to say, yeah. Yeah, like the average need they any had motivation. A lead. No, I don't <laughs> think they had a lead the entire period. <laughs> no. Yeah, they're juggernauts, man. How yeah, about Kadri getting suspended eight games? Oh, eight games, too. Woo! Stop doing stupid shit. Was he it that bad? What Wilson did. He thought he could do whatever he wanted. Yeah, really. He targeted a player from across the ice, directly hit to his head, knocked him out. Cold. Could you? He's he's a lot. That's not like out of character for him. He just hasn't done it and in a while. And that's the problem. Cold. He's been suspended yeah. a bunch of times, and it was a target hit to the head. It wasn't what Wilson did. All Wilson did was throw some people around. No, Wilson's and, entire and history is is it's not that's one case. Let's be really yeah, But that's what we're talking about. That's what we're discussing. He well, said he thought it got was eight open. playoff games. He can get eight regular season games, eight playoff games. That's all. Gee, that's more than a series. That's insane. That's not that's not the first time Kadri's been suspended from the playoffs. I mean, just he's got a history in general. So, yeah, I, I kind of was alluding to that. I still think Colorado will be fine. Honestly. Well, it looks like they're going to have the Golden Knights next, who I thought, you know, after that first game or two, you really thought the Wild had a chance to upset them there. I think the series is now 3-1. to one. Vegas, uh, don't see a way for Minnesota to really come back. Uh, and we all had the Golden Knights here, it looks like. Uh, Jack and I had them in six. Kyle has the, had the Knights sweeping. You know, and it looks like it could finish somewhere in the middle there. They could they could win 4-1, so... Uh, yeah, I, I had doubts. I felt if there was any team that was going to give uh, Vegas fits, it was going to be Minnesota. They play a tough style of hockey. Uh, they're getting great goaltending. Uh, Kaprizov's been uh, outstanding, and uh, the defense is, is you know playing well. Uh, unfortunately, the the Knights, or fortunately for us, I guess, because we all picked them, 
they're just a complete team, man, from top to bottom. They they have all the same things, goaltending, defense. I think the difference is is they have more depth scoring. You know what they don't have, though, and it's kind of hard to watch their games sometimes? They don't have very much speed. Maybe Marshall So is probably their fastest guy, but other than that, they are dreadfully slow. <laughs> and I, I think Colorado might roll them because of it. Maybe so. Yeah, we're definitely good. That's going to be a fun series to watch, man. Colorado and Vegas, yeah. Uh, I just love watching Colorado, dude. They're so much fun. And you know what sucks is when I watch some of these games, it's like, man, the Flyers have a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know, got one hell of a player there, uh, McKinnon, huh? Yeah. So, unless there's anything else you guys wanted to bring up for this episode, we're about an hour and a little bit over an hour and ten minutes in. Got anything coming up you guys want to promote or? No, you got full circle. We'll be revealing the uh, round two of the playoffs on Sunday. Uh, for the Mass Mutual East, uh, pretty much really diving into Boston versus Winter Islanders Pittsburgh. Touch on the other league. I might bring up something that's been irking me. Uh, I I actually thought you might bring it up with your mm. controversial uh, questions, and that's the whole Hextall drafting thing. Uh, as we said, they never ta- they never tanked, so they never had a top pick. So all this hate on the drafting, it's some of it's warranted, but a lot of it's overblown, and it's getting very annoying. I did, I did see some stuff yeah on Twitter. I forgot about that. That'll be good. Yeah, bring it up. Again. It comes around every now and then. Yeah, bring it up and then uh, I'll, we'll take a listen and maybe extend the conversation to next week's HW. That's that'll be good. Got to get us to uh, the draft, the uh, expansion draft. Yes, sir. Uh, Kyle, anything going on with the sheriff over there? Yeah, so this week we're doing a double episode release. Uh, we uh, did a show with Split and Twigs, and then Thursday we're dropping Don Cherry. There it is. Now. That'll be a fun one. Don, who definitely wears suits to podcasts, which I did not <laughs> expect. <laughs> Do you have this on video? Yeah, I, I, we shared a couple of the photos already. Oh, nice. Yeah, make sure you guys look out for that. That'll be a fun one. Uh, check out some of our past episodes. We had the one and only Jason Martitas on last week. Uh, I had the pleasure of talking to Orest Kendrachuk's son, Zach Kendrachuk, uh, last week. I think it was Friday. Uh, awesome guy. If you guys are looking for another Flyers podcast to listen to, I, I recommend this one. Uh, not a huge podcast listener. Uh, I have a low attention span. I'd rather do this stuff than listen to it, if I'm being honest. But And I I mean this. I truly enjoy listening to that podcast. So make sure you guys go check out My Dad Used to Play Hockey podcast. Very, very good. Zach's an awesome guy. I really enjoyed the conversation. And, yeah, that's it. Make sure you listen to the the episode where we had him on. And uh, what else do we got coming up, guys? It's only Monday. It feels later in the week. I don't want to miss anything here. My birthday, Monday. Oh, Uh, Kyle's birthday is coming up. So uh, we won't see you. So happy birthday, Kyle. Wait, you're not coming? No, I mean during the course of the week. Yeah, but that <laughs> Saturday yeah. is my actual birthday. So. Oh, oh I thought Wednesday <laughs> was. Oh, okay. Sorry, that's why I thought. All right, then I'll see you this weekend, filthy animal. <laughs> filthy animal. All right, everybody wish Kyle a happy birthday, and uh, we'll talk next week. Yeah.